Hi, I'm Sam Hawley. This is ABC News Daily. It could be all around us, but we can't see it and we don't really know if it exists. But scientists in Australia are leading a new state-of-the-art search deep underground to find evidence of elusive dark matter. Today, ABC reporter Ben Knight on why physics as we know it is at a crossroads. Ben Knight, you've been pretty deep underground recently in a search of whether dark matter actually exists. So this is super complex. So you're going to have to go pretty slowly through this. But tell me first about your journey underground. Sam, it is complex. This is a a project that is international in scale, and yet it's sort of all focused a kilometre under the ground at the bottom of this working gold mine in the, in the small goldfields town of Stahl. This gold mine, that's actually what's made this possible, this, this search for dark matter, this substance which is supposed or believed to make up 80 to 85% of all the matter in the universe, not just out there in space, but here in this room with me and in that room with you, wherever it is. But uh, we don't know what it is. And so we had to go down underground to find out. Mm, Super intriguing. So take us down there. Look, it's a working gold mine. And so to get there, yeah, you uh, you have to go through your, your safety briefings and your induction and you have to get your hard hat and your high vis. The road down there, it's it's basically like a, a country track, but it's in a tunnel. It's it's not a cage. You you're driving down there in a in a troop carrier, and it's noisy and it's dusty and and most of all, it's it's hot. Like really, it doesn't take long once you get down there for it to really warm up. And you notice the windows on the on the utes are fogging up, and all the equipment starting to get condensation on it. Mm-hmm. So you've taken your, your jumpers off, I assume, and you've travelled a, a pretty long way then underground. Well, we need to go underground, a kilometre underground, to shut out essentially cosmic radiation because this this device, this detector that is going to sit in this super pristine lab down there needs to be protected from all of the particles and all of the all of the things that we do know of that are whizzing through the atmosphere and whizzing through the air. We have to shut as many of those out as possible and a kilometre of rock does a pretty good job of it. So where do you arrive? I mean, what do you see when you get to your destination? Essentially, it's the finished lab just waiting for the equipment uh, to move in. Uh, Heavy wall, heavy door. You walk in there and you go, this place just seems really, really clean. And that's exactly what it's uh, supposed to be, but uh, cosmically clean. What's really going to be fascinating is to go back down once the equipment moves in. And that's that's the really difficult bit. I mean, essentially, they need to ship down there something like 200 tonnes of steel, but incredibly fragile equipment. There'll be seven 
crystals that form part of this device. They weigh seven kilograms each. They are the most pure sodium iodide crystals you can grow. And, and then surrounded by these, these globes that sit inside this giant stainless steel tank, it's incredibly complex. It's incredibly fragile, and they've got to get it down that, whatever it is, nine, 10 kilometer bumpy mine road. I, I still don't know how they're going to do it. Wow, okay. It, it sounds a bit like a science fiction movie. Uh, tell me who is playing the lead role in all of this? So the main people I spoke to, one of them was uh, Professor Elisabetta Barbiera, who is from Melbourne University. Fantastic. It's really impressive as it come along in, in the last year. So what are these guys doing here now? They are painting the wall with uh, TechFlex, that is a particular kind of painting, and this particular kind of painting is uh, put there to stop radioactive activity to come from the rock. The other person we spoke to is uh, Professor Alan Duffy from Swinburne University. People have probably seen quite a bit of Alan. He's, he's a bit of a media presence. There's a really good reason for that. He's an incredibly good communicator about science. He's so good at describing this this dark matter and it's not easy to to describe. I think probably the way that he opened it was was best of all. He said, if you could see it, which we can't, you would see this wind rushing through you right now in whatever space you're in at 250 kilometres a second. What always amazes me about dark matter is that we're so used to thinking of it as out there somewhere holding the stars in their orbit around the Milky Way or doing other fantastical astronomical things. But it's right here, it's in this room. There is a gale of it blowing through us right now. It is a companion to our lives that we have never felt, tasted, touched, seen. And yet mm, it's my gosh, important. okay. Yes, you need a good communicator to explain dark matter. So just what does he mean by that? Well, dark matter is, I guess, called dark matter for a couple of reasons. One, because it does not interact with light and it doesn't interact with any matter or any of the particles that are known to physics. So put pretty simply, we can't see it and we can't touch it. But that also means that it's like a ghost, able to travel through solid walls, through us, through, well, the entire Earth and never collide. So that's tricky when you want to try and find it. So how do we know that it's there? Well, the search for dark matter has been going on for a very long time. So the Swiss astronomer Fritz Zwicky saw these objects in a, in, a, in a cluster called the Coma Cluster in space. And these objects that were spinning around were spinning around so fast that they should have gone spinning out into the universe, but they didn't. And so he posited that there was some gravitational force that was holding them in place. And then you had Vera Rubin, who followed on, who observed something similar, which is that in a galaxy that's spinning around, it was spinning around, this is the Andromeda galaxy, just as fast on its edge that it was in the middle. Now, that is an impossibility, according to physics, because if there is less matter on the edge of the galaxy, then it should not be spinning as fast. So what they were positing is that there was this matter there that couldn't be seen and couldn't be detected and in fact that it made up a huge amount of the matter in the universe. Obviously science is very very certain that it's there. The search to actually identify it has been going on for a long time and this is the latest part of it. Mm, 
so fascinating. So we've got this lab deep in a gold mine in regional Victoria. It's still to be set up and, and functional, but what will scientists like Alan Duffy be actually doing down there? Waiting, largely. Uh-huh. Uh, this this is replicating another experiment that has been running in Italy for for well, a long time, for years. And that is not at the bottom of a gold mine. It's under a mountain. But this lab houses the Dama Libra experiment, and it has been claiming a detection that a particle of dark matter has been hitting their detector and flashing, and that that's what they think it is. Now, the way to confirm that experiment is to replicate it, but you have to replicate it on the opposite side of the world. The reason that that happens to happen on the other side of the world is because for half the year the Earth is travelling around the sun and it's essentially going into a headwind of dark matter. So there are going to be more detections. And then as the Earth goes uh, away from the sun, it's got a tailwind of dark matter. So there won't, shouldn't be as many detections. So that's, that's the thinking behind it. So what do scientists do? They go down there, they very carefully install this and they wait for something to flash and then they look at the pattern. And if they see that they're getting detections at the opposite side of the year to the Italian experiment, then they're pretty excited. This is the next big or perhaps the last big thing in science. This opens up an entirely new field of particle physics. I think it's safe to say that no one knows just how great this could be. But we're all pretty thrilled at just being able to answer what five times more of the universe is made of than everything we can see currently put together. You ask people, okay, is uh, are we looking for a completely different type of particle from the ones that we know from you know, electrons and muons and, and protons? Well, we don't know. Uh, is it something that uh, is is completely unique? Is it that we have this sort of parallel universe where there are dark versions of all of the particles that, that are known to physics? And why can't we interact with them? So if you say, okay, but are there going to be practical applications for this? Well, presumably, yes. Don't know what they are, but you know, think about just any field of science. Then it just blows the door wide open to this incredible new field of discovery. And again, if we know a lot about what makes up 10, 15, 20% of our visible universe, imagine how much we don't know and what is yet to be discovered once we discover what makes up the other 80%. Mm, what do you reckon? Do you think, Ben, they'll figure it out? We're going to know pretty quickly. Like it will, A couple of years of data, a couple of years of detections, and we either rule it in or, or rule it out. The world needs to know whether they are right or wrong. If they're right, Nobel Prizes for them, wonderful. If they're wrong, then we should look somewhere else. And, you know, as as the Mythbusters said, failure is always an option. It just means that they need to uh, rethink their their design, need to rethink their experiment, go out and, and look again. This search has at least a hint that it's there. Either way, we rule it in or out, It's a spectacular scientific result. Ben Knight is a senior ABC reporter based in Victoria. He worked on his story with Alexander Darling from the ABC's Horsham office. Work at the lab is expected to begin next July.
This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield. Additional production by Sydney Peed, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. Over the weekend, catch This Week with David Lipson, where he'll take a look at the Royal Commission into the former government's unlawful debt recovery scheme, RoboDebt. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again on Monday. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.